The period of great permissive spending, the narcissism, the idea that you could speculate in stocks without risk, that's all over now. Sure, if by all over now you mean over until the Nasdaq inflates like a balloon from 1997 to 1999. Still, I believe there is something worth exploring in this post-Great Recession desire to align our money with our values. Even when our wallets fatten back up again, wouldn't it be nice to know we're making each dollar count? Few couples basking in the glow of early romance consider the practical side of what all that wedding cash could buy them, and there are plenty of emotional reasons we don't question an expense so deeply ingrained in our culture that we might as well stop celebrating the 4th of July while we're at it. But doing so creates an interesting thought experiment, one we can extend to all our money decisions and bring up evidence that perhaps the way we handle our money is more of a choice than we think. The Bobble Economy For all the time brides spend planning their weddings— Few spend many minutes pondering how diamond rings became so ubiquitous in the first place. The answer turns out to be a fascinating story of changing social standards and blatant opportunism. Betrothal rings have been around for a while, but the popular diamond obsession appears to have had its genesis in the 1930s. In a 1990 article for the Journal of Law, Economics, and Organization, Legal professor Margaret Brinig argued that rings became popular when states repealed their laws allowing women to sue for breach of promise to marry. While premarital sex was still a no-no in the years after World War I, there was some gray area, and close to half of women lost their virginity while engaged. All this was well and good, Brinig wrote, but for the woman— If the marriage never came about, she was irretrievably barred from offering an unblemished self to a new suitor and suffered a loss in market value. A crafty man wishing to have sex with nice girls could propose and then jilt a string of fiancés. Perhaps to guard against this threat, multiple states had laws on the books allowing women to sue for breach of promise, thus dissuading men from such behavior or at least making them face expensive consequences for any casual trysts. Then, in 1935, a legislator from Indiana sponsored a bill abolishing broken engagement as a reason to sue for damages. Other jurisdictions followed, which soon raised a question. If a woman couldn't sue, what could she do to protect herself? One solution would be to demand a large transfer of capital as part of an engagement— That would make any prospective grooms think twice about seducing a woman under false pretenses. The most efficient way to do this would be for the man to give his beloved money. Money can be used for anything, and so this method would at least let the woman do something useful with it, like go to school or start a business. But genteel folks have always found cash a bit tacky in proper situations, so that didn't catch on. Fortuitously, at the same time brides were looking for something expensive, yet respectable, to secure their honor, the diamond industry faced a glut of the precious stones and needed some way to move them. Seeing an opportunity, the De Beers Company staged one of the first national marketing campaigns to boost diamond sales. Its advertising agency got Hollywood stars to wear conspicuous rings, and movies soon featured engagement scenes involving diamonds.
Within just three decades, the diamond engagement ring was welded into the culture. Almost universally accepted, and soon subject to rampant inflation as two-month salary became the suggested tax on grooms, and in certain quarters, anything less than a carrot, close to the average now, became a cause for furtive whispers about the man's finances. Because humans are wired to defer to markers of status, men like my young friend face enormous pressure to spend big in pursuit of rings that make their brides look well cared for. Of course, the ring is only the first major matrimonial purchase in a long cascade of spending. Any merchant knows that once a customer buys one expensive item, the floodgates open. Why not buy nice floor mats if you've already bought the car? With our appetites for luxury wedded by pricey diamond rings,